Hey there, you're listening to Dr. Teacher. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm here to talk to you about how to be a teacher activist and advocate for and empower marginalized students and their families. If you listened before, you know that as a white woman, I truly believe that I have been complicit in a lot of policies and expectations of teachers that are truly damaging and dangerous to our students. So this podcast serves as a forum for us as white women to confront our whiteness and how we as critically conscious educators are trying to challenge white supremacy, starting from within our classrooms, but knowing that our job does not end there. So let's dive in. So today is my first podcast episode. I really wanted um, all of you listeners to get to know me a little bit better um, and know why I'm calling this podcast Dr. Teacher. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about my background, how I ended up in grad school, and why I am hoping to end up back in the classroom. So I actually went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I got my degree there. Um, I was in a special um, cohort of people called a professional development school. So we worked at two specific schools, one elementary and one middle, through all of our practicum and um, student teaching experiences. That was really eye-opening for me. It was the first time that I had really worked with students who looked different than me and had different experiences than me. Um, A lot of that I really couldn't internalize or externalize. I um, think I had very much of a white savior complex. There wasn't a lot of talk about systemic issues, um, though I'm really grateful for the program that I was in. And honestly, there may have been some times where there were talks about systemic racism, but I just wasn't ready to hear it yet. Um, So it wasn't something that I was necessarily thinking about. I ended up doing half my student teaching in Madison and then half my student teaching in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, And while I was there, I actually worked at a pretty affluent school. And so a lot of these things just weren't even really being considered. Um, Also, I was going through a lot of culture shock and I was training for a half marathon. So there were other things on my mind there. Um, I came home from that and then three weeks later I moved to Mexico and I taught at an American school in Querétaro, Mexico. Um, I taught middle school science. And it was there that I started to realize... um, the divides by socioeconomic status Um, and it was something that really bothered me. We had students at our school whose parents worked at the school and those students were ostracized and alienated by their their peers who um, could pay full tuition price. Um, Also my colleagues who were local hires who taught and worked the same hours I worked, worked the same amount of time I worked, were paid about half as much as I was paid and were not offered um, any room or board, which I was. So thinking about um, all the privileges that I had in Mexico, I, I, again, don't think that I was really internalizing them. I think I was just taking advantage of them um, and definitely being complicit in some ways uh, and being super aware of my whiteness telling people that I was in the minority, but not really acknowledging the fact that I, even though I was in the minority, um, I still was definitely held on this pedestal and whiteness was very present. Um, from there I moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and that's where I got my teaching job in a fifth grade bilingual classroom. I was really excited to work with, um, 
especially the the Latinx students, but um, specifically, most of our students were first or second generation um, Mexican American kids, and so um, I was really excited to um, get to share my passion for Mexico with those students and um, get to speak Spanish with them. I, I did um, half my day in Spanish. But I really quickly learned that a lot of my students actually um, wanted to deny their Mexican heritage or background, and I didn't really necessarily have the words or the the ability to help them see um, how much they should appreciate their upbringing or their background. Um, and honestly, now that I think back on it no wonder they wanted to denounce their background. Um, with so much white supremacy and whiteness ever present, a lot of students actually wanted to refuse the fact that they were bilingual as well. I would speak to them in Spanish. They would speak back to me in English. And there were just a lot of things about working in that school that really were perplexing to me. Um, I loved it. I loved my students. I loved my colleagues. Um, but I was really, really challenged and frustrated with a lot of things that were happening in our building that I knew were not happening in other buildings across the district. And there were things happening to our students and their families that I knew were not happening to students and families across the district. And um, really, honestly, after three years, I just had no idea. Um, I just didn't have the skills or tools that I felt like I needed in order to thrive there. And so I ended up just leaving um, and going to get my PhD. Um, so while I was um, getting ready to finish my master's, um, a TA of mine from when I was an undergrad, Katie Swalwell, uh, put in a, a kind of a bulletin out on Facebook saying that she was looking for advisees. And around the same time as when I, all these thoughts were going through my head and I just snatched it up and I was ready to go. Um, by this time I was married and actually very, very newly pregnant. And so my partner Andy and I moved to Iowa seven months pregnant without a house and we're ready for another adventure. So if you've been listening um, so far, you have heard that I lived in Madison for undergrad. I moved to Mexico for a few years. I moved to Green Bay for a few years. And now I was prepared to start my PhD um, at Iowa State in, um, in Ames, Iowa. Um, my partner Andy and our unborn child and I moved together seven months pregnant. Uh, we lived with a colleague of mine. Thanks, Jenny. And um, her two kids actually for two months while we looked for a house, put in an offer and moved into our house three weeks before I was to be induced. Um, so it was a huge whirlwind. But also, um, regardless of what was going on in my personal life, my professional life was kind of rocked to the core. My first semester, I took um, a history of ed class with Michael Bowman, Dr. Michael Bowman. And um, I my eyes were just um, opened very wide. Uh, I was very overwhelmed by 
the fact that there were a lot of things that I just unconsciously or subconsciously or even consciously was refusing to acknowledge, um, mainly that the reason that we are in the state that we are right now is because of what has happened in our country's history in regards to uh, race relations, but um, especially in how education was set up in our country. And I learned a lot about um, whiteness in a class that I took about uh, social justice and education with Dr. Jason Salisbury. And so my very first semester, um, I was already teaching a social justice and elementary education class and taking these other classes along with it that were really just challenging everything that I had known to be true. Um, but also showing me that a lot of the things that I was experiencing um, and a lot of the frustrations that I had while I was in the classroom actually had names. Um, And so finally I was beginning to find the language that I felt like I was really lacking uh, while I was in the classroom. So I got extremely engaged in uh, social justice teaching, um, and we'll talk about what that definition is um, in a later episode, but I spent a lot of time thinking about what I would do differently if I went back to the classroom. And in the back of my mind, when I started grad school, what I really wanted to do was become a professor. But the longer that I was in grad school, I started to think, I actually want to go back to the classroom. I feel like I owe it to the families. I owe it to my colleagues. Um, and I owe it to myself to know that I really can um, fight the good fight and I can do the work that needs to be done in schools. I can have the tough conversations. I can stand up for what's right for especially our marginalized and oppressed groups. I can empower kids to stand up for themselves. Um, And so I just started, it was a continuous thing that was on my mind all throughout um, my three years of grad school. And I went back and forth about whether or not we should still be in Iowa or if we should be back in Wisconsin for personal reasons, but also professional reasons. Um, And last week, Thursday, so this was just four days ago, I was visiting my friends um, in Green Bay at the school that I used to teach at. And I just, it just clicked for me that I need to be back in Green Bay. Um, I need to be back in the community that... I kind of feel like in some ways that I left behind. Um, And yes, there is the motivation of more financial stability, only having to have one job instead of the eight that I have had since moving here. Um, And so those are, yes, our motivations. But I think at the end of the day, what I really needed to do was prove to myself and, um, prove to my superiors, perhaps, that I'm willing to um, do whatever it takes in order to advocate for our marginalized students, especially, um, but also to start conversations with my colleagues who are in schools with predominantly white students and who perhaps haven't thought about these things. I know that when I first moved to Green Bay and I met my now husband, um, he didn't even know that we had a Latinx population in Green Bay. So there, I feel like there, I owe, I owe the city of Green Bay a lot, um, for the, um, the experiences that they gave me. And now I feel like I can serve the families better, um, 
after having the conversations that I've had and taking more of a macro and wider lens look at education, um, past and present and future. Um, so that's kind of how I've decided to apply for jobs and try to get back in the classroom. I hope you enjoyed listening to um, today's podcast, talking about who I am, how I ended up, where I ended up, and where I'm hoping to go. Um, Listen up next time as I talk about the job search and uh, including certain things in my personal statement, in my cover letter that I never in a million years would have considered um, in the past, and thinking about what that means for me as an educator and what I'm willing to... um, give up in those applications and what I really do strongly ethically feel now I ne- is necessary um, while I'm in the application process. So listen up next week and um, let me know your thoughts. Let me know where you're at. Have you had a similar experience? Um, if you have, how do you have conversations with colleagues about whiteness, about um, being in a community and knowing that you owe something to the families, but facing a lot of constraints, especially in schools that are so demanding in terms of, um, quote unquote, academic rigor and, um, teaching with fidelity to boxed curriculum. Let me know what you're thinking and, um, give me some ideas for some future podcast episodes. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. See you next week.